Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. We're in hour three. We are really, I'm getting such mixed messages because I am not a a Trump fan. I'm not a hater. I'm horrified by the USMCA, the United States, Mexico, Canada trade agreement, which is just a triumph for globalism. And I'm so upset about that. I think the impeachment is smoke and mirrors to distract from that, among a lot of other things. But I don't like the impeachment. I think it is it is one of the things it's preventing is a an investigation of Burisma and the Bidens that I think is preventing it. And I think that that is an order. So. I had the lucky, the privilege of having a call from my favorite local activist, Garland Favorito. So I'm putting you back on, Garland, if I can. Can you hear me? Hey, thank you, Monica. Um, I And I'm, I'm not a fan of particularly of Trump either. But as you said, I mean, his, Trump, uh, the administration has not done anything wrong. He's never received any money from Ukraine or anything of value. And Ukraine got everything they were supposed to get. So I, I'm I'm with you that the impeachment is a sham. I even think uh, this idea of bribery, they're turning it on its head. Bribery is when you take money to deliver something. He didn't he he's accused of bribing somebody else's president. Well, right, and they had to back that out of the impeachment articles yeah. because they you have to go through with the act to commit bribery and that never nice. happened. So that's why they backed it down to abuse of power, which is very very uh generic. It could be anything. Um, So what were you thinking about? So I was confused by whether or not the prosecutor Biden got fired, Shokin, was actually investigating Burisma or he wasn't investigating people that Biden wanted taken out. Like there are two two kinds of people over there, the ones they wanted protected and the ones they wanted taken out. So if you have any exactly, And that's what I've been looking into. And I have two things I'm going to send you. uh, And one of them is Victor Shokin's affidavit. And um, and that is very impressive. He says that um, the truth is that I was forced out because I was leading a wide ranging corruption probe into Burisma Holdings, a natural gas firm active in Ukraine. And Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, was a member of the board. Wow. Um, And he goes on to say, I assume that Burisma, which was connected with gas extraction, had the support of the U.S. Vice President Joe Biden because his son was on the board of directors. Um, And if you uh, just a couple more sentences, the official reason put forward for my dismissal was that I allegedly failed to secure the public's trust. Poroshenko and other state officials, including representatives of the U.S. presidential administration, had never previously had any complaints about my work. However, there were no grievances against me or any allegations that I had committed any corruption-related criminal offenses. Biden never stated anything of the kind either. Furthermore, all sanctions in respect of Yanukovych and his supporters remained in force and were not lifted while I occupied the post. Moreover, these sanctions were extended. 
Hmm. And then he goes on to say, on several occasions, President Poroshenko asked me to have a look at the criminal case against Burisma and consider the possibility of winding down the investigation actions in respect of this company, but I refused to close the investigation. Therefore, I was forced to leave office under direct and intense pressure from Joe Biden and the U.S. administration. In my conversations with Poroshenko at the time, he was emphatic that I should cease my investigations regarding Burisma. When I did not, he said that the U.S. by Biden were refusing to release the U.S. dollars, $1 billion promised to Ukraine. And he said that he had no choice, therefore, but to ask me to resign. Wow, that's really interesting because Zlochevsky's money got released because Ukraine that over in London because Ukraine failed to file charges. I thought it was Shokin intentionally not filing charges, but perhaps he was a stopped. I have to absolutely go in there and read all that stuff. So you have to send it to me, please, please, please. Well, well, well uh, Monica, here's one other thing I found out. So the question is, you're saying, well, was Shokin telling the truth or Biden? So if you, we went uh, back and found in a lot of Ukrainian newspapers the story in February of 16 when uh, Shokin went to court against Slajewski, who was the owner of Burisma, froze uh, $23 million of uh, his assets. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was just before Biden tried to get him fired. Mm -hmm. So the newspaper reports in Ukraine confirm that Viktor Shokin is telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So it's very uh, upsetting. The other thing that I I think that's going to come out eventually is that that billion dollars of aid, when it was released, it was put into private bank. Uh, yes, which, yes, Kolomoisky's bank. Kolomoisky is uh, somehow uh, an owner of Burisma. Uh, well, exactly. Um, Burisma uh, is was was moved into the private group. They cut some deal to move down to the private yeah, in group. Cyprus, I think. And that, billion, that private bank was eventually nationalized okay. uh, in, in 2016 when they lost $5 billion. So all of yes. that aid that was going to Ukraine was lost. Right. And that's one of the biggest stories, I think, that hasn't come out yet, but probably and will next year. I'll give you something. I actually have been talking about that a lot. I'm not, I don't want to go back there. I got, I'm going to move on. But uh-huh. I will just tell you one little thing, which is... That ongoing issue of Privat Bank, because Kolomoisky now wants to claw it back, he wants to be compensated for it, which is crazy. IMF aid is currently suspended because of this outstanding issue of whether or not Kolomoisky has to be compensated for the nationalization of Privat Bank. So I don't know if you know that, that right now IMF aid is on hold because of that. Wow. No, I did not know that. Yeah, so look into that. I'm I'm okay. gonna let you go because I want to keep playing. I want to play another Lutsenko clip, and mm. uh, but keep me apprised and tweet at me these links if you don't mind, Garland. Will do. Thank you, Monica, so Thank much for you. covering this. Really Thanks appreciate Thanks so it. much. Talk to you soon. Thanks. So Binkley, what I want to hear is the next one, Lutsenko. This goes to some of the stuff I was talking about with Garland just now, which is Shokin. I think what he said. Maybe I should have had him emphasize it. And it'll be in the affidavit, which I will read, that Shokin said that he was not going, that he was going to continue the prosecutions that they wanted him to continue. I think that's what I'm hearing, which would have been Yanukovych, which is the corrupt leader of Ukraine that we took out in a coup. Now, this the corrupt, they're all corrupt, supposedly, like in Ukraine, like everything's corrupt. Even Putin, who's giving this guy safe haven, 
is says that he's corrupt. But what they did was they subverted everybody's corrupt. So you're definitely getting a corrupt guy. But he <laughs> cut a good deal with Putin as opposed to a bad deal with the EU. And that's that is why he was removed in a coup and brought up, I believe, on charges of murder, even though he didn't do that. So so I think Shokin was going to continue to pursue anti-corruption investigation against Yanukovych. And I think in this clip that you're about to play of Lutsenko, I think he's referring to that. Yanukovych is the guy that Victoria Nuland and the Obama administration took out of the leadership of Ukraine, but he himself was also corrupt. And it sounds like, from what I read recently in a Ukraine newspaper, was that they, that some of that that money was either laundered or funneled into Franklin Templeton, which is a U.S. financial institution, and that that is that is uh, the subject of a current investigation, or at least was current when when things were moving along until the U.S. impeachment started throwing monkey wrenches into Ukrainian prosecutions. So let's hear. So this is this is the same interview, right? Yeah, this is the same interview, and he is, again, responding to the ambassador, jo- Jovanovich, what she said in the congressional hearings. Okay, so just as a reminder, this is Lutsenko, the prosecutor general that Biden thought was going to be his boy, put in place. Jovanovich goes to him, tries to give him his marching orders, and he pukes on her. Yes, and he also requested to meet with the the attorney general of the United States, and she said during the congressional hearings that he didn't follow the proper procedure, and he's combating, he's undermining her statement in this. Oh, that's really interesting because Trump wanted Zelensky to meet with the attorney general. Yeah, he wanted to meet with him, and right. she said he didn't do it. Okay, let's hear this clip. It's a little hard to understand, but I think we laid it out. Told what? to members of the committee that Lutsenko asked me to organize his meeting with American Attorney General. But you know, gentlemen, that there is a procedure for this, she told. The procedure that Lutsenko should, or even must, give us a short topic, what uh, points he he wants to discuss with American law enforcement bodies. And Jovanovich said, and he never uh, gave us such an information. I have bad news for Madame Ivanovich. This is my letter, my deputy letter, to request for cooperation in investigation against the criminal organization of Yanukovych and regarding possible investment in the U.S. based mutual and other funds for the purpose of money laundering. Yeah, I don't think they wanted any of this stuff to come out at all. Yeah, I don't think so. And and I wanted to play it in his own words, because then you don't have to rely on an interpreter. So I know it's hard to understand, but and he I wouldn't be surprised if he insisted on that, because this guy has been targeted before. He's been in jail as a political prisoner. He was arrested for like drunkenness or something in Germany, which he claims was a setup. I mean, I'm worried for this guy. Yeah, and when he's calling out the darling of the congressional hearings, he's definitely putting his neck out there. Right, and and there was maybe his no-prosecution list that he rattled off. All of them were so-called anti-corruption workers that she did not want him investigating that 
Kent, George Kent, who he said was in league with her, there is an actual letter that was produced before the impeachment committee that said Kent was writing to them, not to Lutsenko specifically, I don't think, but saying, hey, we have no concerns about how our aid is used with respect to these anti-corruption organizations, specifically these ones. So he was it wasn't in such uncertain terms, but it was it was in such certain terms. But it was Kent saying stand down on the corruption investigation. So he that what that Kent letter is in writing something that supports, I think, Lutsenko's story. So. Let's let uh, we'll do some calls after the break and then we'll we've got some more clips that I think color in that these people are plotting behind the scenes to give us a false narrative. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Evil does seek to maintain power by suppressing the truth on 95.5 WSB Atlantis News and Talk. We're back. I have time for a call, and we are going to get through. If you're on hold, I will get to all of the calls. I'm going to go to Mike. Mike's been waiting the longest. Hey, Mike, you're on with Monica. Hey, Mo- hey Monica. <laughs> I know um, you've been on hold for a long time, but you're on, you're in the hot seat now, buddy. <laughs> well, that's okay. Look, I I just wanted um, I just wanted you maybe to go into a little bit of detail about how. Trump had come in as a do-nothing president, like you said, I think Hardage and someone else. I can't remember Harding now. Harding and Coolidge? Yes. Um, okay, so it would be best to be left with everything Obama did for us. And no, I'm not to, saying that. Well, to, to, well, if you had a do-nothing president, that's what would happen. Nothing I would will change, explain myself. We wouldn't, have yeah. the, we wouldn't have the growth in economy that we have. We wouldn't have the unemployment numbers that we have in the black community we wouldn't have everything that trump has done for us in less than four years way more than any other so-called conservative president we've had since i've been alive and i'm 62 years old and so how some i don't understand how a hillary presidency would have been better Maybe you can explain that. Here's the thing. Here's what people, I, I get this put in my mouth all the time. I do not support Trump. I'm not a hater. I'm not a Hillary supporter for crying out loud. Well, I don't prefer well, that who Hillary would, you, would, who, who would Well, who, what's your other Ron Paul. What's your other person to pick? Ron Paul. Well, Ron he, Paul he won Iowa not, he, that time. huh? You got you to gotta elect somebody that has an actual chance of winning. Why a would a person not going to win in our country? Ron Paul. Hold country. on. You got to let me talk. You got to let me talk. I can't mute. I, I, uh, Ron Paul was a 12 year. Didn't he? He might have actually won 12 congressional elections. He certainly was in Congress for many, many years. He won and won and won. He was winning in Iowa. He won in primaries. And Trump was absolutely never, ever elected. He was what might be described as gaff prone and hated by the media but he got so much pr that he did do something ron paul couldn't have done but i wasn't saying that i liked the do nothing president it's harding and coolidge inherited a u.s federal government that was still contained within like the 10th amendment hadn't been completely obliterated so by them not taking interventionist measures in the economy 
we return to prosperity despite what would have been a 1929 type crisis. So I'm not saying he should have done nothing. If you're talking about the trade agreement he just did, I would have rather he did nothing. We were better off before. There's a lot of things I would rather not have, but I want to dismantle things, not implement things. And yeah, I think Ron Paul would have been better, but Hillary, no way. Anyway, right after the break, we'll get to a couple more calls, Mark and Mark. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at 95.5 WSB. Monica Perez. No, never give up, never surrender. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. We are in the home stretch. I'm going to take these calls and then I have to have just a few more of these clips that I think really illuminate what the other side or the overlords are really up to. So uh, let's take, I'm going to go in order of waiting. Uh, Mark, you are on with Monica. Hi, Mark. Hey, Monica. Well, you know, that last call, it just reminded me the other day, you know, after this $800 billion spending bill on the military just passed with bipartisan support. In fact, Democrats uh, largely voted for this, which shows that the, uh, the, the the division between the White House and the Congress is fiction. But, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to point out to somebody, you know, uh, Trump, ha- you know, he has enthusiastically supported this spending orgy. Uh, especially increase, you know, jacking up spending on the military. Uh, uh, the, the deficit, the budget deficit, is over a trillion dollars uh, per year now, uh, thanks to the spending orgy. The national debt is now up over twenty-three trillion dollars, and the Fed has resumed massive quantitative easing with Trump's enthusiastic support. Trump has pretty much demanded the Fed resume quantitative easing. They've been ballooning their balance sheet uh, again. And and I point this out to people, and all they can do is remind me, well, you know, Obama sent $150 billion to Iran. It's like, okay, I get it. Obama is corrupt. Clinton is corrupt. Don't tell me I have to choose between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Unlike Trump, I never donated to Hillary Clinton. I never donated to Democrats. <laughs> You know, and, and that's what, you know, yeah. I got to be honest, the funny thing is, I think the whole impeachment uh, thing, it's theater meant to create a fiction of choice. I'm all for impeaching Trump, but for the right reasons. And the way I look at it, Monica, is that the worst crimes are hidden in plain view. They want us looking for the esoteric, you know, the the, the, the payoffs to some company. When I'd say they, what they're doing to us as a matter of policy is the real crime. It's impossible to bankrupt a people and keep their civil liberties intact. That's Mark, mm. Mark, I'm like, you're blowing my mind. I love it. I, I mean, oh, you well, just I'm really glad. encapsulate. I couldn't. I, there's not one thing you said that I didn't agree with. And well, you put I'm it glad. so well. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, it's frustrating that more people uh, don't understand this. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, put it this well, way, I didn't vote for Trump and I didn't vote for uh, Clinton either. So. Let me just say that the Trump is the one who suspended the sequester. This idea that we have debt higher than our GDP as a percentage is unprecedented in peacetime. <laughs> And, and it would take a Republican. And if you you might want to look into, Mark, both what 
Bill Barr is up to with Project Guardian, where it is effectively of crime to fail a background check. Look into that well, if you're worried about civil well, liberties. You know, you know, that's interesting. That's interesting. You bring that up because, of course, Trump is all for these red flag laws, too. And, you know, some people have been giving him accolades because they've talked about some kind of like a national uh, concealed carry bill. And I've been warning people that, you know what that's going to end up leading to? It's going to be a national firearms license. And my guess is if you don't aren't able to get that, that you're not going to even be able to own firearms. Not, not only that, that, but if you fail it, your application, they start an investigation into you. That's oh, in Barr's wow. thing. Yeah, that, if you fail, that, that, fail that, for that, mental health reasons, they're like, who's looking for a gun who's mentally ill? We need to take action against this person. It's messed up. And, and, of, and, and of course, the way things are now, that if you support free markets, I mean, don't use the VA or you can be diagnosed with mental ill. But about the only thing that I could add here, too, is, um, you know, I remember when, when Trump was candidate Trump and he was campaigning against Obama's economy, you know, pointing out that, uh, you know, the stock market was a bubble and, that, you know, rising prices, uh, that's not economic growth. And that's just it, that we should not conflate rising prices with economic growth. You know, the idea that a rising stock market is an indicator of a healthy economy or that we can even believe these unemployment statistics and And, unemployment numbers. And the inevitable crash is going to be laid at his feet and the Democrats will run the show forever. But I would also say one other thing and then I got to move on. But the bait and switch idea that you're saying about like a, a national concealed carry law to watch out for the details. The USMCA, the United States, Mexico, Canada trade agreement is a bait and switch of the highest order. He came in saying he was going to be the anti-globalist president. That was his single most important platform rhetoric point. And this USMCA is the actual text, word for word text, is 57%. I think it's it's over 50% taken right from TPP. And it's 70 to 75% article for article TPP. So watch out. Well, I know it was a ruse from the beginning because if you're really genuinely concerned about the trade deficit, you'd want to deal with the underlying cause. And I'd say that what has precipitated uh, the trade deficit more than anything has been promiscuous monetary policy. You know, David Hume taught us in the 1752, Monica, how capital flows in, in an inflationary paradigm that nurtures dependence on cheaper foreign markets to supply us with production. Yet Trump has literally, yeah, I mean, he's explicitly stated that, you know, the way we can win on trade is by having the Fed cheapen money even more. And, and, and it's the exact opposite. You know, yeah, I was thinking, gonna, I can't, we know. absolutely cannot get into that, Mark, because that is going to go too, too deep. Right. You know, it's hard to just Off do that economics. like a... A conversation, but I think that that's at the heart of it. If you look at how low interest rates are, 11, 12 years into an expansion, when the inevitable correction comes, they are not going to be able to use the tools they normally use. So we're looking at a paradigm-changing event, and I think it's going to happen in the beginning of his second term. Mark, please do me a favor. Stay informed and stay in touch. Give us a call. I love it. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And tweet at me if you possibly can, at Monica Perez Show. And I'm going to go to the other Mark and see what you have to say. Mark from Lake Lanier, you are on with Monica Perez. Hey, Monica. Great show, as always. Thank you. Um, My comment is on Ukraine. And uh, I I believe uh, Mitch McConnell doesn't want a trial. Wants to just uh, acquit it and throw it out. Um, not only, I believe uh, 
Trump has done nothing wrong, and I believe he's one of the greatest presidents uh, ever. He is a little bombastic, but uh, the point is I'm making is there is corruption on both aisles in Ukraine. There were kickbacks going to both sides of the aisle, not only the, the uh, not only the Bidens, but other senators were getting kickbacks. And I'm thinking that they're trying to, uh, to you know, like quell it down or, or try to just uh, um, dismiss, dismiss all this stuff because there's going to be other senators that were getting kickbacks. When we send them money, they would get kickbacks. It's, and one of them was mentioned was Lindsey Graham. Well, he's a great yeah. guy. He does a lot of talk, but yeah. I never see a lot of action out of him. I didn't actually see evidence of that stuff. I did see some accusations like that. There were definitely other people involved, but I will I will go so far as to say this. In Operation Fast and Furious, it was as Putin would say, it's like it was like shearing a pig. There was a, a lot of squealing, but not a lot of wool. Because people are on both sides of the aisle. They don't actually want to get to the bottom of it. This very much smacks like nobody really wants to get to the bottom of what's in Burisma. And I believe that this theater, this theatrical event, is was designed primarily to prevent. And it started, I think, with Trump. I mean, maybe he didn't know what was going on. Maybe somebody scripted that call for him, which I always thought because he's just too busy a guy to like script that kind of thing. CEOs don't do that. He's not doing it. So who knows what was behind the scenes going on, and I think that we're getting led down the garden path. But I wanted to, before we, you know, we're winding down, but my producer Binkley here had found some some clips from the Council of Foreign Relations, which it's like a cliche to say that they're running the world, whatever, but in actual, the more clips you bring me, Binkley, of the CFR and their private meetings, the more it's quite obvious that they are. And so when Hillary called them the mothership, it seems like that was an accurate description and that you can see what they're up to. And what you played, you played for me on one of our podcasts, Propaganda Report, I think it was episode 186 recently. It was long, an hour and a half, so we're not going to get into all that. But I did want to share, so what they talk about is how to control information, how to control information without making laws, how to control information by controlling private entities and encouraging them, nudging them, as Cass Sunstein would say, to not come out, to censor their users, for example. And I object to that for many reasons, if these were purely private companies, I wouldn't care. But if they were purely private companies, they'd be fighting it out in the free market. They wouldn't be oligopolies that dominated one company per niche. It just wouldn't be like that. And there's so much evidence that it's in the record that these things were chosen, fostered by the government from the Department of the Defense, of Defense to the CIA. To, so I, I don't. So the CFR is behind this. They were having a symposium, from what I understand, about these issues. And somebody without them realizing that there was a fox in the hen house, a legitimate journalist called them on what they were going on and on about fake news. Of course, their perspective is that any pro-Trump news is fake news and any anti-Trump news is not. She tried to call them on it and they were just not having it. So I find this very interesting series of clips. So talk to me. Do you, Is that a fair assessment of what we're going to hear? Yeah, this is a woman named Lucy Kozmar who is a 
old journalist. She's been doing it a long time, and she poses a question they weren't expecting, and they just don't answer it. All right, so let's see. Hopefully we can get through this whole little segment, which is three clips. But let her, her clip, I think, kind of says it all. So let's start with clip one. In the New York Times yesterday, there was a story, the headline, Ukrainian president says no blackmail in phone call with Trump uh, by Michael Schwartz. Uh, He said, Mr. Zelensky also said he didn't care what happens in the case of Burisma, the Ukrainian gas company that once employed a son of former Vice President Joe Biden. In the phone call, President Trump had asked Mr. Zelensky to do him a favor and investigate the debunked theory that Mr. Biden had directed Ukraine to fire an anti-corruption prosecutor who had his sights on the company. Debunked was the word of the author, not of Trump. Well, uh, go back to January 23rd, 2018. In this room, uh, Joe Biden speaking to the council on the record. And I went over, I guess, the 12th or 13th time to Kiev, and I was supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I'd gotten a commission from Poroshenko and and from Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. I'm uh, eliminating a couple of paragraphs just for time, just to get to the nut graph. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving in 6A about this disinformation in the New York Times yesterday, and do you think that they should take down this demonstrably false information so that's her saying that this is fake news in the new york times so we're going to take a quick break and we come back just the the audacity the blinders it reminds me so much of how the impeachment thing is going that it just it it's like as uh as the head of gun owners of america said to pierce morgan like facts just bounce off your head don't they so we'll get their ridiculous rebuttal after the break this is monica perez monica perez it's all real oh my god I knew it. I knew it. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. All right, we're going to jam-pack this thing till the very last minute. Binkley, you have a clip that rebuts. So there there was a woman in the CFR, a journalist calling the CFR out on the fact that covering up for Biden and the Burisma thing is fake news, that that there it's not debunked, it's not discredited, and... The media should stop treating it this way. And this is how they answer. Clip three, please. I, I think the point that you're that you're actually making the larger point that I think people would be interested in is that a, a, re, a reputable organization that does this looks at looks at errors and puts researches them and corrects them when they make them. If it in fact is an error, they, people should uh, correct it. But that's a, a generalized principle, and I don't know anything about the truth or falsehood of what you just said. I'm just saying that that's one of the things you want that Rick's well, talked about I, is, I, is transparency and correction. Let's not. I don't think we want to litigate this because we're not experts on that particular statement. If I could just go in the weeds for a second, having gone to Ukraine several times at the same time that Vice President Biden was there, he was there 12 or 13 times. I went three times. That prosecutor was a corrupt prosecutor who was uh, shaking down the people he would potentially prosecute, who already had exonerated Burisma. The, the, the company that his son worked for. So he was saying the prosecutor that exonerated Burisma needed to be fired. And you know who else was saying it? The IMF, the World Bank, the EU, everybody else. It was a corrupt prosecutor. Now that flies in the face of what Garland just read to us from the affidavit of that prosecutor himself. Yeah. 
That guy's name is Richard Stingle also. He bragged about doing propaganda when he worked for the State Department in yeah, another and, CFR clip. And I love the way that other chick just steps right in and says, well, you're talking about, you know, if there's an error, we need to correct us. An error is a lie. The whole panel short-circuited at that question. Well, because somebody let her in. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she's, they, her name is plastered on like every bulletin board, every globalist bulletin board around the world, <laughs> like... She and Lutsenko want to like go into the witness protection program because they're they're not going to be safe and certainly not going to have jobs. But we appreciate what she did, and we get into this kind of stuff all the time. We have our podcast, Binkley and I, Propaganda Report. You can just look that up in any podcast feed, or you can find it all on the website that we share, thepropreport.com. Also. My favorite hobby, and I only developed this hobby after having to read the news every day, is making craft cocktails. So I'm going to start tonight my 12 Cocktails of Christmas, which you can get at monicamixes.com if you've never been there. Some really tasty things, and usually it's just stuff you have in your fridge. Anyway, because I want to have a little lighter side that this stuff will really get you down if you take it too seriously. But there's so many thinking people out there. That I feel like we we get together like this on Saturdays, and uh, it gives me hope. Gives me a little bit of hope that us rank and file can still think. A little bit of hope is nice. A little bit of hope. But we'll be back next Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. This is Monica Perez.